0: What if we did something? What if all of us did something? That's that's really what this morning is about. We're going to find out what it means for all of us in all our different forms and fashions and ages and stages of life. What if we all did something? So I'm joined here by a panel, and for the first part of the message is going to be hearing about some of the uniquenesses of the opportunities and the challenges that we're facing right now in our state, where we are specifically as it pertains to children in need of, of foster care, And then what the church can do about it. And so I want, first of all, uh, we're going to introduce ourselves as we go across so you can know who each person is. And then I'm going to follow up with questions for each one of them. But we'll, Kat, we'll start with you uh, since you're right here. Uh, Go ahead and tell us just briefly who you are and kind of your involvement in the whole foster care and caring for children arena. Thanks,
1: Jason. My name is Kat Pilsen. um, And my family and I have been in the foster adoption arena for a little over 13 years. Um, So we have uh, two going on three uh, adoptions through Foster International, and we uh, enjoy it a lot.
0: Yeah, thank you, Kat. We're gonna come back and hear more about the unique call of, because you guys have seen so many different aspects of foster care and adoption, so there's so much to learn and to hear the good and the bad, so thanks for sharing that, Jeremy?
2: Yes, uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm the co-founder of an organization called Cards for Cubs. And so what we do is we connect thousands of volunteers with kids that are in foster care by donating something as simple as a handmade card. And the reason, one of the reasons that I'm here is to help uh, everyone realize that they don't have to be called to be a foster parent at this time in order to help kids that are in foster care.
0: Yeah, such an important message. Uh, probably the one I want to be the loudest and clearest today is that particular message. So thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Shall
3: Hi, I'm Shauna Moore, and I work with Lifeline Children's Services at the Director of Engagement, and today we'll be talking a little bit about that family restoration that can happen.
0: Great. Thank you.
4: Hi, I'm Raquel Rodriguez, um, and I'm the Program Director over at Compass Connections. Uh, we work with uh, minors who come uh, unaccompanied, and so our goal is to recruit foster parents, um, make sure that our kids have a safe and loving home um, to uh, be able to grow up in.
0: Great. Thanks, Raquel. Appreciate that.
5: Good morning, everyone. My name is Larry Barksdale. I'm with the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, and I work with the family—sorry, the faith-based and community engagement program at the department. And um, my role is to kind of educate and, and partner with different faith partners and community partners in order to get the word out about CPS and in order to involve the church in the DFPS or the child welfare process.
0: Yeah, thanks. Larry, I want to I wanna start with you. Um, is our second time to do this panel, so you already know what's coming. But uh, I, I know specifically, Larry, you get to see so much of the other side, the need uh, that's out there. You, you know some stats which are uh, daunting and sobering uh, and overwhelming. Uh, but just in a real brief way, give us kind of a general overview of the need that you see right now in the state of Texas.
5: All right. Well, um, I would say that the greatest need here in the state of Texas Is for more families that are trained and equipped to uh, take in children that come from difficult circumstances and to take on sibling groups Um, as you'll see in some of the statistics here in a second um, common phrase that's been spoken in the child welfare community in the last couple of years is lack of capacity and that just simply means that there's not enough beds for the number of kids that are in foster care Due to changes in state laws and the number of removals, they've dropped significantly over the last couple of years. But during that same time frame, the number of available beds has also dropped significantly. Um, There have been a confluence of issues that have affected that. You know, one thing was COVID uh, going through that and then a change in state laws. But consider these numbers. In fiscal year 2018, there were 20,000 children removed from their homes and placed in CPS custody. And then in um, fiscal year 2021, there were 16,000 children removed from their homes and placed in custody. Fiscal year 22, 9,000 children removed from their homes and placed in state custody. So as you can see, the number of children that were placed in state custody have uh, dropped um, by half over the last four years. But during that same time frame, we've had a crisis of children without placement. And that just simply means that there are children that come into state custody that we do not have a placement for. And so those kids have stayed in hotel rooms. They've stayed in CPS offices. Uh, Some of our community partners have helped uh, take in the kids. And the CPS staff, they've had to take shifts in order to care for those kids. And of course, that has led to increased uh, turnover with the staff and burnout as well. So if we look at some other numbers uh, for you to meditate on and consider fiscal year 22, 38,294 children were in DFPS custody at some point during that year. And to give you a snapshot of a a certain day, um, how many children were in CPS custody, August 31st of 2022, 21,583 children in DFPS legal custody. And those kids have been in care an average of 804 days. And also on August 31st, there were 4,523 sibling groups in care, and only 62% of those children uh, were placed with their siblings. Mm. And as you all know, that it's, it's very traumatic being removed from your, from your parents, but to add the added trauma of being removed from your siblings as well, uh, because there's not enough homes that are available to take in sibling groups. And um, so the need is this, uh, you know, we need the church to help care for the kids that are coming into care, and um, just to live out the, uh, the scripture, James 127, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world.
0: Man, those numbers, Larry, those are, those are overwhelming, and all the different breakout of the stats, I'm just thinking about in one day, 21,000 children and not places where to go. They're, they're living in hotels and office rooms and the, the trauma, the instability a child feels, man, it's overwhelming. So thank you for opening our eyes to the need. Uh, interestingly enough, though, Raquel, it's, it's not just uh, children in the state of Texas who are being displaced, it's children who are coming and they're. You, Their needs are unique, Uh, unaccompanied children coming into our state, and they need care as well, and that's different. So, Raquel, tell us a bit about what you do specifically with those children and and what are ways that the church can be involved.
4: Um, So, yes, definitely. So we have kids um, right now that are, you know, unaccompanied, um, arriving to the United States um, a little bit older um, than what some families maybe are used to working with. So there is definitely a need for our program in particular to have foster parents that are willing to work with uh, children maybe over the age of 12. Um, so that is what, you know, we usually go out in the community, try to recruit. Um, a lot of our kids have experienced trauma, um, as, you know, was shown earlier in the video. And so it's really important for them to be in safe and loving foster homes. Um, we have a lot of kids right now on the wait list waiting to get into foster homes, but are not available to do so if we don't have those um, those beds available. Yeah. So it's really important um, for us to be able to provide um, a bed for a child um, so that they can go ahead and, you know, e- experience the love of of a foster parent, um, be able to have some of that normalcy, go to school, um, receive the services that we provide, which is going to be things like counseling to help them um, cope with the trauma. Um, but we also want to make sure that foster parents, whenever they do sign up for this, have that support system in place. Yeah. Um, so respite care is really important, um, having those caregivers in place, um, because a lot of parents have let us know that they are willing to um become a foster parent, but realistically not able to because they don't have that support system. Yeah. um, so we want to make sure that we're able to help you know with that, and that hopefully that the church is able to help um, them with that so that they can go ahead and um, do you know what yeah. what they want um, as far as fostering.
0: Yeah, such an important point you bring up there the, and this is something again, I want to drill in so deeply. the support system, it requires all the church body coming around those families who are taking that step. And also, I want to point out something. This is a lady after the first service came up to me and just reiterated through her own experience how important it is to see the church step up for children who might not be as young. Uh, It seems so much easier and get them when they have had less uh, trauma that they had to endure. And so, you know, that's easier to step into that usually. But the need for children who are a little bit older, uh, that's, that's a real gospel move here. Like, I know what I'm stepping into, but I choose to out of love, So such a a strong call. Uh, Raquel, thank you so much for calling us to it. Now, I also know, Shauna, that's what I love about Lifeline and what they're doing. So much of this ministry and foster care isn't just about taking the child into a different place. It's how do we either reunify that child with their family by making a safe environment, or how do we even stop the breaking from taking place? And there are things the church can do to be a part of helping that, and Fielder specifically wants to do that. So tell us what Lifeline is doing and how we can be involved.
3: So we have a program called Families Count, and Families Count is a program that parents can attend when they've been court mandated by CPS and a judge to take parenting classes. So that could be a child that they're not taking custody of, but to keep them in their um, biological home, they need that class. It could also be parents who are trying to work the state plan that the judge has set for them to be reunified. And um, one of our goals is that we don't want kids going in foster care, going back home, going back in foster care, because with each placement, there's trauma. And so how do we help that system? And really, it is about the church is a great place for support. It's also a great place for them to learn about the gospel hope. So what if we could marry those two? And that's what we've done. We've created a program where they can get the court dated parenting classes, but they also get the support system of the church and they hear the gospel message of hope that God has a plan for their family. And so three families count. You guys have already got trainers in place and we'll be starting. How can you personally get involved? Well, each couple or each participant in the class needs a mentor, and that's somebody to walk with them, go have coffee with them, talk with them. They need that support, that parent does. Also, things that you could do to help with these classes is to be part of the meal preparation team or greet them as they come in or provide transportation and even childcare. And so there's lots of ways that you can get involved in Families Count and... Um, just to leave you with this, there's a church in Tyler, Texas this past year that after having the class, the family did join their church, and three generations of this family have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Praise God. That means three, family, three generations not only reunified, but they've joined the family of God, yeah. and that's powerful.
0: Praise God. Man, what a picture of the church stepping up in the deepest ways. And what, what she's saying right here is that, like, this isn't, I mean, this isn't like you're bringing a child into your home. This is all the people are going, I want to do something. What do I do? That makes a difference. Well, you, we can do things that help the, the whole process to legally get the child back into their home. That's huge. And we can do that because we have partners like Lifeline who come in and give us the appropriate training that is approved by those who are uh, entrusted with the power to reunify the family. And so this is such a sweet gift to come, even if you're just a greeter at the door, helping families as they come, or you're a mentor, or you're teaching the class, because you get trained so many different ways that we can be involved. And I love that this is getting to the, the root of it, not, not just a symptom. We've got a child we've got to put somewhere because there's brokenness, but how do we bring healing? So love this opportunity that we have. That actually, Jeremy, uh, makes me want to come to you, because here, what the, I hear over and over and over again is there are so many broad ways to be involved in this. And you found uh, through kind of your own unique story, a little niche that you can step into and actually make a difference, even though it's not right, th- right now anyway, bringing a child in your home. So uh, give us a real brief version of what you do. And then uh, as you were telling them, like how would you challenge them to find unique ways to be involved in this ministry?
2: Right. Absolutely. So one of the things that a Cards for Cubs, its mission is to connect cards for kids that are in foster care. All right. And so it wasn't really supposed to start off like that at all. Like I wish I could come up here and say that we had this grand vision and all these different things of how we're gonna do it, but it started off kind of just as a marketing tool for another company. And uh, my business partner and I kind of put that together and my business partner's wife was also in foster care and we owned an arts and crafts brand. So we put two things together, made a car drive for kids that are in foster care. And I didn't realize how much that would change everything. Within the first month of putting that out, we collected 3,000 handmade cards for kids that are in foster Praise care. Uh, our mailman looked like uh, Santa Claus as every time that he tries to come in and bring everything in, we were jumping over mountains of cards. And uh, uh, over over a couple of years, though, we kind of became convicted, though, that, uh, well, what was this really for? Was it for kids that are in foster care? Or was this simply just a marketing tool? And the founders and I revamped it. And it's now its own official 501c3. And we do all these things. Now we're looking for other ways to advocate and look for other ways to help out kids that are in foster care. And then on top of that, I wanted to share a little bit about kind of my personal feelings on this as well. And that is that I've also felt convicted again. I'm tired of getting feeling convicted of things, <laughs> um, but I felt it convicted again because how could a founder of a nonprofit for kids in foster care not also be fostering and adopting a child, right? And it, it kind of came to realize over time and through God's help that you don't have to. You don't have to be called to be a foster care parent in order to help those kids. There's tons of different ways to do this, and even within Cards for Cubs organizations, I see this Firsthand, because we had thousands of volunteers and crafters and creators that made these cards and to date We've collected a hundred and fifty thousand cards over the last four different card drives that we've had uh, We've seen hundreds of foster care workers being putting those cards in the hands of those that need it And we've seen dozens and dozens of volunteers coming to help volunteer and also he's he's used the The, um, the, the ambition of the selfish ambition of an entrepreneur in order to inspire radical generosity and that's something that I just wanted to share with all of you is that all you have to do is just be open to it just just ask how it is that you can help everyone here can can value from some type of volunteer and something that you guys can share
0: yeah and that's such an important message because there are so many people who are afraid like if I if I stick one toe into this wow now I'm gonna have 12 kids I'm gonna be like Jason and Virginia and have all these kids and have to drive a big old bus around town and stuff. And what you're saying is you just, you just take one step at a time of obedience. And, and it may even not even come from the best place. Like I'm trying to do this for a business, and God takes me on a journey, and I just take one step at a time. And so I hope you hear that. Like he, Who would have thought that an arts and crafts business would one day be a support for foster care and adoption, and yet God has a way of doing that. So who knows what God has gifted you with, how he might use that area of gifting to support this ministry if you would just say, here I am, God, use me. But I will say there are some of you, I know it to be a fact, that God has been working on you, preparing you, calling you toward this to actually say, no, God isn't, it would be a cop out for me to try to stick around it. God is telling me to bring a child into my home Uh, and there's beauty and there's hard and there's glory and there's fire and all that stuff in between. Kat, I know because of your experience, uh, you all have experienced all of that. So tell us real briefly, like why step into this? And then if you were going to talk to some of the families in here that were praying about it, considering it, maybe afraid of it, what would you say?
1: Well, first, Jason, I think that you're brave to ask me that question.
0: (laughs) How much time do we have here?
1: (laughs) Because that's really loaded. um, You know, what came to me actually during Praise and Worship was the lyrics of the song, you stepped into my Egypt and you took me out by my hand. And that's what God does for us. And even though foster and adoption, no matter how it comes, whether it's pretty or glorious or beautiful, and it's all of those things, um, God does that for us, and these kids need us to do that for them. They need us to step into their Egypt that doesn't look pretty. They need us to be their support. And we need the church body to be Our support. That's right. If you're a foster parent or you're an adoptive parent, there are ways to get involved without bringing a child into your home. God leads you to bring a child into your home. Just know that he's going to be there with you. He's going to walk it with you. It's not going to look anything at all, which you think it's going to look like, but there is beauty in the ashes. There is absolute joy in serving in the heart.
0: Yeah. Praise God. Here's, Here's the challenge. It's not to sugarcoat it and make it sound easy and roses and laughter the whole time. There'll be some of that, but it's that you'll find God in the middle of the journey. And if you long for more of God, you'll find him. Guys, thank you so much for being up here and sharing a word with us. Uh, We appreciate you guys a lot. I've got one last word so you guys can just set your mic down and head off. I got one last word I want to share with you guys before we finish up. Um, I really want to park on what, what Kat mentioned there at the end. Uh, one of the most dangerous things we could do up here would be to make it sound easy to bring a child into your home. Because we, we, we know there's need. We want to meet that need. We want to bring more children into homes through foster care and adoption. And we can, we can try to sell you a bill of goods that makes it sound easy. And we would be lying through our teeth. And we wouldn't do you any service. And we wouldn't do the kingdom any service. We wouldn't do these children any service. So I'm not here to tell you it's going to be easy. But I'm here to tell you, if you long for more of God, you'll discover more of God in this process. Here's a a truth I want to give you. You may want to write this one truth down. It's a a powerful truth if you really park and chew on it. There is a deeper relationship with the Father on the other side of obedience. You may want to to jot that, that thought down. There is a deeper relationship with the Father on the other side of obedience. You will discover God in a way that you never believed possible if you'll just take a step into obeying him, specifically in the places that move his heart the most. And let me go ahead and tell you, if you you don't know this, in the Old Testament, New Testament, what you see again and again and again is how the father's heart beats for those who are vulnerable, especially vulnerable children. How many times he says, I want you to care for the widow. I want you to care for the orphan. I want you to care for the person who cannot care for themselves. And when we obey God in that, we discover more, we usher in the thick presence of God more deeply into our lives. And maybe you're going, well, Jason, I I hear you, but I don't know if I believe you. Well, let me go ahead and let Jesus tell you the same thing, because I think you'll probably trust him more than you trust me. Mark chapter 9. Somebody just amen that down there. That's it, man. I don't trust me either. Mark chapter 9. I want you to go to verse 36. Now, real interesting, if if you're new to the Bible, Gospel of Mark is the second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, chapter 9. In this context that we're stepping into in Mark 9, the craziest thing is happening. The disciples are literally arguing about which of them is the greatest. Like legitimately, they're standing right next to the most humble, perfect human being ever, Jesus, and they're sitting here going, man, you ain't got nothing on me. I'm so much better than you. I'm so much greater. They're arguing about who the greatest is. Jesus knows what's going on. He goes, hey, what y'all talking about? And they look all shamed because they know they, they're not supposed to be talking about this. And Jesus says, guys, can I correct you? You think you, think you want to be great? Well, let me go ahead and tell you how it works in the kingdom of God. If you want to be great, you got to be last. You got to be least. You got to be a servant. And then he says, let me give you a little, a, little exam- a little illustration of this. And he grabs a child. This is where I want to jump in. Mark 9, 36. says, and he took a child, he's talking about Jesus, he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. I want you to to really park on that thought, because you can just skip right over this and miss the, the power of what he just said. Jesus has a child. Now, a child in that day was the picture of vulnerability. In biblical times, a child had nothing. If they didn't have parents or somebody who would watch over them, they were destitute. They had no means of earning income, of providing for themselves, of getting an education. They were utterly dependent. And he puts this vulnerable child and he says, Listen, if you want to you be great, receive this child. And when you receive this child, you don't just receive me. He says, You receive the one who sent me. You know who the one who sent Jesus is? It's the Father. So when you receive a child, a vulnerable child, and you are receiving, you are ushering in more of the Father into your life. This is why I said what I said. There is a deeper relationship, a greater intimacy with the Father on the other side of obedience. When God says, care for those who are weak and cannot care for themselves, and we obey him, we receive the Father in deeper measure. And let me go ahead and tell you this. There is nothing on earth that will satisfy you more than the Father's presence. And there's nothing that ushers in his presence more than obedience. I believe there are some of you who are here today and you long for a deeper relationship with the father. You want, you're convinced that what I'm saying is true. You believe that there is nothing that can satisfy you like the presence of almighty God, but you're, you're looking for him in some wrong places or at least not in a full enough place. You're saying, okay, if I want more of the father, then I got to go to church more often. If I just went to church more often, I'd be better off. Or, or if I went to more Bible studies, if I did a longer quiet time, then I would get more of God. Say, those are great things. I hope you do all those things. I try to do all those things. But what if the means of receiving more of the father is not any of those things? What if it's seeing a need of a vulnerable child and saying, I'm willing to receive that child into my life, whether it's in my home or some kind of care for them. And when I do that, I actually usher in the presence of the father in greater measure in my life. What if we did something that aligned with the heart of the father and we experienced more of his presence? I actually think there are some of you in this room and you're desperate enough for the presence of God that you'll say, "Okay, I'm in. What do I got to do? Well, I'm about to tell you what you got to do. But before I tell you what to do, I got to I got to talk you out of it. I got to convince you why you shouldn't do this before you ever step into it. Because like I said before, the worst thing I could do for you would be to convince you that it's going to be easy. Let me go ahead and remind you what this whole foster care situation is about there are precious children created in the image of God of no fault on their own who have been mistreated by the adults in their life who should have been caring for them. And they've experienced more trauma from the adults around them than any human being should ever have to experience. It is unwanted. It has been pressed upon them and they have been hurt by that. They carry this weight on them all the time. They don't want to carry this weight, but they take it with them everywhere they go. And when you bring a child into your home that has experienced this kind of trauma, It will not be easy. That trauma is a weight that will crush your shoulders as well, which is why I keep talking about the support system that's needed. And you have to walk into this knowing how heavy it's going to be. It is going to be messy. I can guarantee you that. let Let me also guarantee something else. God always shows up in the mess. Our God has a habit of showing up right in the middle of mess. Isn't that the story of the gospel? I mean, isn't that exactly what the gospel says? Here we are, we are dejected and broken. We have been rolling around like swine in mud in our own sin, rebelling against the God who loved us and created us. And what did God do? He took on flesh and came down to our earth, entered into the mess to save us. The the reason why we would do this for someone else is because God has already done it for us. And so we recognize that there is hardship and mess that comes with it. And we say, even still, oh God, let me be a part of this. Listen, I can guarantee you God will be in the mess. And here's how I know God always enters into the heart. I will bet you I'd be willing to wager a lot of money that there is no one in this room who has ever said, man, these last two years, I've grown so much because life was easy. No one says that. You know what they say? They say these last two years have been hell on earth. They've been horrible and horrendous, and I never want to go through them again, but I have learned so much from my God. I've felt God like I've never felt him before. I've grown in ways like I've never grown before. I've experienced God in ways like I never thought possible. I'll never want to go through that again, but I have gotten so much of God. People say that. And the reason they say that is because God always enters into the heart. God always walks into the mess. And so the reason I would ask you to take a step into this is not because it's going to be easy, but because you're going to get more of God. And when you're hungry for it, that's when you're willing to take a step into it. So there are some of you, I'm convinced, before you ever got here this morning, God had been working on your heart. I've been praying for you. We've been praying for you. And if that's you, here's what I want to challenge you to do, to be hungry enough and desperate enough for God to say, okay, I'll take a step. And there's a very easy step we have for you this very week. This Tuesday, we're going to have an event called the Brave Event. It's going to take right right here on our campus is pulling together organizations and agencies to help anybody who's interested in finding out how to take a step toward bringing a child into your home. And and, and I'm going to invite you in a moment to actually fill out a form to sign up for it so you can be a part of this event. Now, I want to go ahead and, and make sure it's really clear. If you sign this form, it does not mean a child will be on your doorstep this afternoon. That's not how the system works. There's a lot of training and equipping and time that it takes to get you ready. We want to hold your hand over the whole process. But I am asking you to be willing to take a step of faith. This event is where you'll get all the information so you know what step you need to take and how you get to a place where you receive a child into your home. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you are in the room, it's a very easy way to do this. There's a black QR code in front of you. You can scan that with your phone. There'll be the guest card. If you scroll down one more, it's going to say foster care. Uh, event. You click on that and you can sign up for it. And here's how much I want you to be there. We're going to buy your dinner on Tuesday night. I don't know what we're having. Is Aaron Benton somewhere? I don't know. We're going to have something. Mexican food. Now, now you're going to show up in mass. You're going to have some tacos. It's going to be great. But I, 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 I want to buy your dinner. It won't be The church will buy your dinner and we'll make sure that you have food ready for it, which is why, please, if you know you're not going to attend the event, don't say you're going to attend because I don't want to have to throw your tacos away. So just if you know you're going to make it, sign up for it, but we would be honored to buy your dinner so you could hear about what steps that you need to take to go on this process. And I believe it could be a very easy first step, very simple. Even if you can't make it, by the way, still would want you to go to that, that same page. You, if you're watching online, you can go to fillerorg connect, and it's the same place for the guest card. You just scroll down one, you'll see the filler event. You're invited too. If you live locally, we'd love for you to be a part of this. But, but if you can't make the event, you can still go to that place and let us know. When you scroll down, it'll say, yes, I will be attending or no, but I still want information. And so Aaron and the team from the foster care and adoption team can reach out to you to find out how to help you take next steps. We would love for you to take this one step. Now, I, I know there are many of you in this room, though, and right now you're going, well, that's great for those families in here that want to do that. But I guess this message isn't for me uh, because um, God is, I know God's not calling me to take the step or if he is calling me, he hadn't broken through yet. I haven't heard it yet, so I guess I'm not supposed to go do that. What am I supposed to do, Jason? Well, your, your step, honestly, is really simple. It's sign up for the Brave event on Tuesday so you can be a part of this because what's so beautiful about this event, the real bread and butter of this event, is it's designed for the entire church to find out how to support the families who are bringing children into their homes. I, I, I hope you saw Kat as she was sharing uh, with tears in her eyes about some of the hardship of this. There's something that breaks my heart. That I, I, am, I am burdened over this. That there are families in our church who have stepped into foster care into adoption who thought because our church has a vision to support foster care and adoption, they thought they would step in and they would find a family who would support them and people would bring them meals and people would help them with diapers and, and maybe try to give them date nights out so they could have rest. They thought they were going to have this huge ocean of support. And I've now heard multiple families who come back and say, we were all alone, won we a single meal, won we a single diaper, want we a single person that said they would be trained so they could watch our kids so we could go grocery shopping without our kids. No one came to our aid. Because that breaks my heart. How does that happen in the church? All I can think of doing is saying, church, we, we've got to step up. All of us can find a part to play. On Tuesday night, what they're going to do is they're going to talk through a, a dozens of different ways that we can be involved, involved to support those families. Whether it's being trained so we can be respite care workers. so they can have. It's just two hours a month where we're going to watch their kids for a little bit so they can go out. And that's going to be a beautiful, life-giving opportunity of service. It may just be how to make strategic donations. So we know how to provide the most good, how to become a part of a team that provides diapers and supplies and cribs. And there's so many different ways how to be a part of that, that family connections thing that you heard about. So we can be those training classes. What, what can I do? This will walk you through all the different ways that you can be involved. They tell me that there's typically about 80 people who show up to these kinds of events. They do it all over the Metroplex. I would love to see when it takes place at our church, it to be at least triple that hundreds of people, who show up, and I'm convinced the lion's share of the people who show up will be those going, I just want to provide care for those, family who are, those families who are bringing children into their home. If God is not calling you to do this, you still have a part to play. And I believe in it so much, we believe in it so much, we'll buy your stinking tacos too. You can come be a part of this. You can sign up, go to that same page, scroll down. You are not signing up to be a foster parent if you attend that event. You are signing up to say, I'm going to do something. What if we all did something? And I want to challenge you to do so. Again, if you know you're not going to be able to make it, please don't, don't say you're coming so that we don't, ha- we don't waste food because we're going to order enough for those who come. But if you know you're coming, I would love for you to, to sign up today, if at all possible, so that we can make the order, have enough food, have the right location. It's going to be here on this campus. Please take a moment before you, if, before you leave this building, if you're able to, scan that QR code, go to phil.org connect for those of you watching online, scroll down and sign up for it. It'll take you 10, 15 seconds but it can be the support system that we need as a church. All right, I've given you the spiel of what I think needs to happen as a church body, but before we talk about Tuesday, I think we need to stop just one last thing. We need to talk about Sunday. We need to talk about right now. Because I believe there are some of you here right now, and you need to recognize the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants you to respond to that message. Before you ever consider bringing a child into your home, You gotta recognize what the father has done for you, that he has brought you into his home. Foster care is so beautiful because it gives us a picture of how the father works. When you you bring a foster child or an adopted child into your home, you don't say, hey, child, clean yourself up first, get yourself all in order. When all your problems are gone, then you can come into my home. That defeats the whole purpose. The way you do this is you say, child, I see that you have need. I want to help meet your needs. So I'm coming to you in your brokenness to provide a family for you. That's the gospel. The father sees us in our brokenness. He doesn't say, get yourself all cleaned up. Then I'll let you into my kingdom. He says, you come here with all your brokenness and I'll clean you up and fit you for my kingdom. But you got to believe that he loves you enough. You got to trust in his love. I have a, a daughter. She's in the children's ministry right now. Her name is Jovi. We, we adopted her about five and a half years ago. And uh, it's a really crazy story um, of, of her adoption, but she right now firmly believes that she is the princess of Fielder Church. I mean, she, she firmly believes that. And the reason she believes it is because in her mind, she thinks her daddy owns the church. It, it doesn't matter how many times I tell her, baby, that's not how it works. I don't own the church. I'm the, Jesus owns the church. I'm the, I'm the servant of the church. It just goes in one ear right out the other. No, my daddy owns this church. And she struts her stuff around this church like she owns the place. And in fact, the, the other day she was up in the children's ministry on the second floor and, and they had them writing Bible verses on little like a, erasable markers on the, the glass. And so she stopped and she went up to Jadida, the children's pastor, and said, no, no, we can't do this. My daddy didn't give you permission to do this. You can't write on the walls. <laughs> she did it because she knows at home she's not allowed to write on the windows and walls. So she just assumed there's no way I gave permission because I own this church that, that I would ever allow that. I get home, I'm like, oh, my Lord. I'm a baby. That's not how it works. Trust me, Juditha knows what she's doing. She's listening to Jesus. You got to trust her. So my daughter's theology is terrible. <laughs> but I love the fact that she believes that she's the princess of fill the church. Let me tell you why I love it. Six years ago, this little girl was sitting in a crib in an orphanage on the other side of the world. She was receiving no attention. Her head was deformed because rarely would she ever get out of that little wooden pallet that they called a crib. She was failure to thrive because she had no interaction. She was left there to rot six years ago. And now she walks around this church like she owns the place because she knows who her daddy is. Listen, that's the picture of the gospel. Listen, her theology is terrible. But our theology, when we know who we are and we belong to the Father, He actually does own the place. And we get to be His sons and His daughters because He loves us. Let me tell you about my daughter Jovi. She didn't start off that way. Those of you who were part of our journey of adoption, you might remember when we first brought her into our home. She did not receive my love. In fact, she utterly rejected me. Anytime I would walk near her, she would start screaming and she would run away from me. She wouldn't let me feed her. She wouldn't let me hold her. She didn't trust me at all. And it broke my heart, but it did not stop me from loving her. I didn't didn't choose her because she earned my love. Therefore, I didn't unchoose her when she didn't receive my love. I just kept pursuing her and pursuing her and pursuing her. And now she loves me as much as I love her. She runs up into my arms. She struts her stuff because she knows she's the princess of filter church because she's my daughter. Listen, the father loves you. He loves you with an unselfish, unending, incomprehensible love. And he is pursuing you. But that doesn't mean you are experiencing the power of his love. There must come a moment when you receive his love. You trust his love. And before that moment, though he loves you and has chosen you, you receive nothing. Until that moment you say, I trust in your love, God. I receive your love. That's when you get to experience what it means to be a son or daughter of the high king. God loves you. He's not waiting for you to get cleaned up. He knows you are a broken sinner. He knows you rebelled against him. He knows you haven't loved him, and he loves you anyway, and he will not stop. He's going to pursue you week after week, day after day. And he just wants you to be willing to say, I receive your love. And that's when all the power and the beauty of your adoption comes into play. I believe there could be some of you who are here this morning, and you need to receive his love. And you go, well, how do I do that, Jason? How do I receive his love? It's very simple. You confess that you believe his love. That means you know that you don't deserve his love. You confess your brokenness, but then you trust that Jesus really can redeem you and you let him come take you over and give you a brand new identity. That's what that baptistry on the stage is all about. There's no magical water in there. There's no power in that baptistry. It's a symbol. You go under the water, the old identity, dead and gone. That name is erased. You come out of the water with a brand new name. And now you know who your daddy is. You trust in him. You receive his love. You publicly declare it. I believe there could be some of you here this morning and you need to do that. I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to come down front. Let one of us know that you're ready to receive his love. You want to experience the fullness of his adoption. We have shorts you can change into. We have a t-shirt that you can put on that says, Jesus is in my place. We'll counsel with you to make sure you understand the gospel. And if you do, before you leave today, you will have a chance to publicly declare your faith in Christ. You may need to get ready to come. It's going to be a war. I'm going to encourage you. Receive his love. But Also, before I do that, there are some of you who are here. I've been talking about foster care and adoption. All You haven't heard anything. And the reason you haven't heard what I'm saying is because you are right now in the thick of a mess. It may be your own mess. It may be the mess that someone else has caused. It could be a health issue, financial issue, relationship issue, work issue, school issue, whatever. It could be some kind of thing that has you overwhelmed. You can't even hear what I'm saying. Here's what I want to remind you of. Our God always comes into the mess. And if you're dealing with something hard and heavy and difficult and messy, he wants to meet you right in the middle of the mess. And here's what that's going to look like. We're going to have a prayer team down front ready to pray with you. You can bring all the hardship, all the mess. Bring it before the Lord. Let us pray for you so you can discover the power of Almighty God.